0: What's your emphasis? Building up those who are followers or out reaching out to those who are not yet followers? And we grappled with it and we thought, well, we want to do both. (laughs) And so that's what we put down. We want to do both. And I'm starting a new series of messages this week um, called Alive Spiritual Life from God the Holy Spirit. And I want you to know that in this series, I'm hoping for us to be encouraged as those who are already following Jesus. I want us who are already following the Lord to know that there is, there is encouragement for us in walking with Jesus to help us as believers who are already following Christ in walking with God the Holy Spirit. But today's message is also going to be specifically for those who are not yet following Christ and possibly either whether you're here today and you're still wondering, maybe you're a teenager or you're growing up in a Christian family and you're just wondering what your parents are all about, with this church deal. Or maybe you know somebody and you want to know how you might be able to be more effective in reaching someone who is not yet a follower of Christ this message can be for you as well. So, I'd like you to know that, that this is a both and message today. And this whole series is a both and message in this series. And so, as I get started in this six weeks series of messages, um, let's pray together and ask God to help us as followers of Christ and that He would use His Word to reach out to those who are not yet followers of Christ. Father, I pray now that you would help us as a church to realize the Great Commission said, go and make disciples, reaching out to those who are not yet followers of Jesus. But yet your Great Commission said, teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded you. And that's for believers to learn how to be built up and follow you more closely every day. So I pray, Lord, that you would give us ears to hear, followers or those who are being drawn to you. Lord, may your word ring true and give us hope and encouragement, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The theme verse of this series of messages is found in John chapter 7, beginning with verse 37, and it goes like this. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. This is a message to those who are already believers. And I think this is something for us to consider. How do we as believers have a life of spiritual fullness? How do we as believers have consistent fellowship with God? How do we as believers have the regular experience of long and refreshing drinks from Jesus? How do we experience that rivers of living water flowing from within? So often our Christian lives are also ran. <laughs> I sometimes call it the Christian blahs. Have you ever fallen into the Christian blahs? You know, you just think, oh, I'm a Christian, yeah, okay, blah, 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 blah. You know, sometimes it's just routine. We encounter life, it seems like we're totally on our own. Our boss gets on our nerves. And we think, what's the deal here? Or our spouse gets on our nerves. Um... A couple weeks ago, my wife said to me, Scott, could you just go into the other room for a while? (laughs) You know, we we get on each other's nerves. So I went into the other room. (laughs) You know, actually, I was kind of glad to go in the other room. (laughs) Sometimes the pace of life just overwhelms us. And we long for that inner strength, a peace and a calm. And, and we want joy that lifts us up. But every time we try to work it up ourselves, we fall short. So we go and listen to the radio and we hear someone talk about another book. So maybe that book will give it to us. And so we read that book. And it lasts for a while and then pretty soon we get bored with that book. And then we've got to find something else. What we need is something positive, encouraging, that is genuine, that comes from within. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. He's talking about living above this world, yet in this world. Glorifying God and experiencing all that he promised. Where do we find that? Well, it's found in verse 39, the next verse. Look at what Jesus said in verse 39. By this... He meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in Him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. See, these rivers of living water that flows from within the life of a believer is the Holy Spirit who lives within us as believers. And Jesus said, if we come to Him... And drink of him. He will give us that rivers of living water. He will give us the freshness of the Holy Spirit who lives in our lives. And then we will experience joy and peace and rest and spiritual pleasure. Jesus' invitation is to come to him and drink. And then we will have the living water. Now, I'd like to suggest to you that this... um, this drinking from the streams of living water, there must be a balance between truth and experience. Truth and experience. But I want you to know that truth without experience puts us to sleep. When our daughter was in high school, she played basketball, and so we took her teammates to a Milwaukee Bucks game. We live about an hour and 15 minutes from the Bucks place, and it was in the middle of winter, so we went and we watched the Bucks game, and it got over about 10, 10.30. So then we drove home, and it was winter, so we were all bundled up in our coats, and I turned the heater on, and we drove the freeway home about an hour and a half. And, of course, it was a nice, you know, the rhythm of the road and the heat and the air. And it wasn't long, and everybody was asleep. See, that's what truth is without experience. We just fall asleep, more truth, more truth, more truth. But then it was time for us to drop off the girls at their homes. And so the first girl was in the back seat, and uh, she opened up the door of the car. And it was cold. And when she opened up the door of the car, there was a, a, a fresh wind that came in that hot car, and it just kind of woke everybody up, and it was, oh, that's really cool. But if we'd have left that door open too long, we'd have all gotten really chilled and cold. See, that's what experience is without truth. What you want is a balance between experience and truth. And so over the next six weeks of this series, we're going to learn that drinking deeply from Jesus, receiving a drink of the Holy Spirit requires both, truth, and a crying out to God for a freshness from His Spirit. So my prayer is that our lives, yours and mine, will be enriched and that our spiritual thirst will be satisfied. So where do we begin? Well, we begin at the beginning, and that's John chapter 3, verses 1 to 15. And I would suggest that this passage of Scripture from from John chapter 3 really relates to those who are not yet followers of Jesus. So I want to talk with you about spiritual life and about how spiritual life comes from the Holy Spirit. And in order for us to be alive, in order for us to experience that freshness, that rivers of living water from Jesus, We must first be made alive by the Holy Spirit. So let's learn from John chapter 3, verse 1 to 15. John chapter 3, verses 1 to 15. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you're doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Truly, truly, I say to you, no one can come to the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Truly, I say to you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at me saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Well, how can this be, Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things that you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who has come from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Here's the premise of these verses. In order to know a vibrant, satisfying spiritual life, you must be spiritually alive. (laughs) I mean, how can we expect someone to know and experience what it means to be a Christian if they're not a Christian? Why would we expect someone to believe and act like someone who's born again, who's got spiritual life, if they're not born again, they don't have spiritual life. So the place to start and where Jesus started with Nicodemus is, Nicodemus, let me tell you something. you got to be born again. This is obvious for us. The reason is that we ourselves must be spiritually alive, and if we're not, we're not going to understand, and we're not going to experience it. So in order to experience these rivers of living water, You must be spiritually alive. And so let's talk about what it means to be born again. Now I'm going to give you a three-point message. First, spiritual life comes by spiritual birth. Verses 1 to 3. In order for there to be life, there must be birth. And in order for there to be spiritual life, There must be spiritual birth. Jesus said, verse 3, you must be born again. You must be born from above. That is, spiritual life comes not from this world, but from above. Not by physical means, but by spiritual means. Spiritual birth comes by spiritual power, and that spiritual power comes from above. And so literally, Jesus said, you must be born from above. So what does that mean? First... Not by law, but by personal relationship. Verse 1, Nicodemus comes to Jesus. Now, I think that's interesting. Nicodemus is a Pharisee. Pharisees are experts in what? The law. Nicodemus knew the law like the back of his hand. A ruler of the Jewish ruling council, he was an enforcer of the law. Here's a man, prominent teacher and leader of the law, coming to Jesus. Why? Because he was empty. Because the law doesn't do it. Rules doesn't make it. His life was stale and dry. He says, I'm, these, these rules just overwhelm me. There's no life in these rules. There's no life in the laws. And parents, Listen. If you think that your children are going to get hungry for God by giving them more rules about Jesus, it doesn't work. There's no life in rules. That doesn't mean rules of the household, like, you know, you got to make your bed and you got to do the dishes and you got choice. Not talking about that. I'm talking about rules to please God. Laws to please God. You see, Jesus burst on the scene with freshness, cleansed the temple, spoke with authority, radiated something that Nicodemus knew he didn't have. Jesus was the cold blast in a stuffy car. Because Nicodemus was sick of trying to find spiritual life in the law. Do this, do this, do this, and then God will be pleased with you. It wasn't working. And so what did he do? i got to try something else. Let me come to Jesus. Let me come to this person. Let me come to the Messiah. You see, that's where life comes. Come to Jesus. In fact, after the crucifixion, Nicodemus was one of the men who took the body of Jesus off the cross and helped bury him. He knew what it was like to come to Jesus. So it's not by law, but it's by personal relationships. Second, it's not by external information, but by internal transparency. The first thing out of Nicodemus' mouth was rehearsal of information. That's what he said. Now we know who you are. We know you've come from God. We know all this information. And Jesus said, enough information. You know way more than you need to know. <laughs> and sometimes we think, let's just give people more information and their life will be transformed. Well, it was information that was unusual, out of the ordinary, but it was still, in of itself, information. We need to get beyond information and get real with God. We need to get beyond the stories. Stories are good. Moral teaching is wonderful. But we need to get beyond that because it's just information. We need to entrust ourselves transparently to Jesus. We need to lay it all on the line. And we need to say to Jesus, Jesus, I'm empty. I'm broken. I I'm, I'm just don't have anything. Rivers of living water? Huh? <laughs> then he will reveal our, himself to us. So we need to cut through the information and get right to the heart of the issue. You must be born again. Third, not into an earthly kingdom, but into the kingdom of God. There was an expectation by the Old Testament scholars of Jesus' day that Messiah would come and deliver the Jewish people from the Romans and that he would set up his kingdom and then they, the Jews, then they would live the good life. That's what they were looking forward to. That's what they wanted Messiah to do. Come into town, overthrow the Romans, put them in power, then they could tell the Romans what to do. Then they could have all the good stuff in life. result is they would be in charge. They would experience earthly pleasures. Does that sound familiar? Because there are some Christian teachers who teach that that's what the Christian life is all about. Become a Christian and all your problems will go away. Become a Christian and you'll get rich. Become a Christian and God will heal you of every disease. That's the that's the ethics of an earthly kingdom. Jesus said, no, that's not where the rivers of living water are going to come. The rivers of living water are going to come from spiritual blessings, from the kingdom of above, the kingdom of God, peace and joy. Forgiveness of sins. A comprehension of love and life that will never end. See, this is the essence of eternal life. But in order to experience this spiritual life, we must be born again. Spiritual life requires spiritual birth. Point number two. Well, tell me more about this spiritual birth. Well, spiritual birth is given by the Holy Spirit, verses 4 through 8. When Jesus tells Nicodemus that he must be born again, Nicodemus responds not only with a lack of understanding, but with a little bit offended. Okay, Nicodemus, listen, I'm a Ph.D. in the Old Testament. I mean, I've, I've got a handle on this. Talk to me Talk to me with some respect here. (laughs) And Jesus said, Nah. I'm going to tell you the simple truth that even a child can understand. You must be born of the Spirit. Jesus makes it very clear. Three things. First, this is not a physical event. This is a spiritual encounter. Flesh is, Gives birth to flesh, says Jesus. But spirit gives birth to spirit. Jesus is saying that spiritual birth is not a physical event, it's a spiritual encounter with God. And then he reminds Nicodemus you ought to know this, Nicodemus. Because this is exactly what the Bible says. Two passages in the book of Ezekiel are very clear. Ezekiel 18.31 Rid yourselves of your offenses and get a new heart and a new spirit. Nicodemus should have known. I need a new heart and I need a new spirit. Chapter 36, verse 27. 26. God says, I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone, and I will give you a heart of flesh. Jesus said, Nicodemus, you know those verses. Why do you think this is a physical deal? It's not a physical deal. It's a spiritual deal. This is transformation from the inside. You see, we can't fully understand spiritual transformation because it's a mystery. Yet it truly happens. You probably know the name C.S. Lewis. He wrote a book called Surprised by Joy, which is his testimony. And listen to his testimony. Quote, I know very well when, but hardly how, the final step was taken. He says, I'm going to tell you how I became born again. I was being driven to Whipsnade on a Sunday morning. Which is a zoo in in England? He said, "When I set out, I did not believe that Jesus is the Son of God, but when we reached the zoo, I did. I had not exactly spent the journey in thought, nor in great emotion. I just had an encounter with God. <laughs> you see, it's a spiritual encounter." On that ride, C.S. Lewis met God. God reached into his heart and gave him a spiritual encounter. The spiritual life given by the Holy Spirit, secondly, is not a conscious activity of man, but it's a miraculous gift from God. Listen to what John chapter 1 says. Yet to all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gives the right to become children of God. Children born, not of natural descent and not of human decision. Not of human decision or of a human husband's will, but born of God. It's a, it's a miraculous something that happens. You see, there's a desire for people to experience supernatural things. Supernatural spiritual things. That's why sci-fi is so, so hot today. We want, we want to, we want to find, we want to look at some, some miraculous spiritual event that happens. That's why people are drawn to the occult. Because they are looking for something that, that indicates that there's a spiritual life out there and they want evidence of it. But these are counterfeits of the real supernatural. And the real supernatural is having an encounter with God. Coming to Jesus. And having a miraculous encounter with Him. And then look at verse 8. Thirdly, this spiritual life given by the Holy Spirit is not explainable. But it's undeniable. You can't explain it like C.S. Lewis couldn't explain it, but his life was changed. It's undeniable. In the Hebrew language, there's a very famous play on words. Wind and spirit come from the same root. Now, Nicodemus, being an, an Old Testament scholar, certainly knew the Hebrew language. And even though Jesus was speaking in the common language of the culture that day, When he talked to Nicodemus about wind and spirit, Nicodemus, I'm sure, put the two together. Because Jesus was saying this spiritual encounter is just like the wind. Now think with me about the wind. We hear the branches blowing in the breeze, but we don't see the wind. We see the snow blowing sideways in the wind, but we don't see it. And when the Holy Spirit moves on our hearts and gives us spiritual life, something happens. We don't know quite how it happens. It's kind of like the wind that just comes up. You know, when you're sitting out in the evening on, the, on your deck, and you're having a iced tea, and, and it's still and quiet, and then all of a sudden there's a little breeze that comes through. Have you ever felt that little breeze? Where would that come from? I don't know, but boy, it was really cool and then you sit a while and it's still, and then pretty soon, you see, that's what happens when God moves on our hearts. You don't know where it came from, but boy, you know it came. That's what it means to be born again, and then we're changed. The change is evident, and the change came from God the Holy Spirit. Maybe you know the name Augustine. Our Catholic friends call him a Saint Augustine, but um, G- Augustine. <laughs> he lived back in the third century, and he was a, a preeminent theologian. Well, before he came to faith in Christ, he was a pretty secular guy. He was what we might call a party animal. <laughs> he was really into partying. Immorality and drunkenness and parties and and then he came to faith in Christ. Here's his testimony. Quote, How sweet! All at once, it was for me to be rid of those fruitless joys which I had once feared to lose. You drove them from me. You who are the true and sovereign joy, you drove them from me and took their place you who are sweeter than all earthly pleasures. <laughs> That's a miraculous event. See, we can find some freedom from bondage and some victory over, over destructive habits and support groups and accountability groups. <laughs> but I think fundamentally they, leave, they come up short Real power to change comes from a mysterious yet undeniable encounter with God. And you've heard me talk a lot about the three steps of repentance, right? You recognize sin, and so you stop and you turn. That's step number one. Remember what step number two is? Present yourself to God. That's this. We present ourselves to God and we say, God, Holy Spirit, give me that wind. Give me that fresh. Give me those rivers of living water that come from within. And that's what it means to be born again. But there's a third thing that Jesus makes very clear to Nicodemus. And it's this. We receive this spiritual birth. By trusting Jesus Christ. The fullness of spiritual life is a gift from Jesus. Remember in John chapter 7, our theme paragraph for this series? Jesus said, come to me and I will give you rivers of living water. Come to me. I will give you the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> and so trusting in Jesus Christ is where we begin. Now, there's some mystery here. Um, no one comes to Jesus unless God first draws them. We can argue about how that happens. Theologians have been arguing about that for um, thousands of years. Everybody agrees that God is the one who moves upon our hearts. And this awakening of our spiritual desires draws us to Jesus. And the Scriptures clearly say when we come to Jesus, He is the one who gives us this fresh drink of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to tell you a couple things about Jesus giving us the Holy Spirit. First, verses 10 and 11, it's not by logic, but by faith. Jesus speaks of a testimony. He said, look what I've done. Look at all the things that I've done here. Let me give you the testimony of people who have come to me. Jesus tells stories of people who have come and opportunities to come to him. And Jesus says, listen, they've come to me and their lives have been changed. Some of these are totally illogical. But they came to me and I changed them. By giving them life from the Holy Spirit. So Jesus says, trust me with your life. I've taken hundreds of people whose lives were a total mess. Is your life a total mess? Do you know someone whose life is a total mess? You know, we wonder about how to reach the young people in our culture today. How do we reach the millennials? How do we reach Generation Z? How do we reach teenagers? Well, we can do sociological studies. We can learn all about their characteristics. We can learn all about the things that motivate them and give them excitement. We can learn all the ways that they spend their time. We've got to give them Jesus. They've got to get to a place where they come to Jesus. Because apart from Jesus, we can argue with them all the, all the way, and they'll... To turn around. That's nice for you, but it's not for me. <clears throat> and we need to pray. Oh, God. God, will you, will, you, will you just move on that young person's life and reveal yourself to them? It's not by logic. You can't argue anybody into the kingdom. Jesus says, listen, <laughs> I've I've changed the lives of thousands of people. It isn't logical. It doesn't make sense. Come to Jesus. Trust me with your marriage. I've saved hundreds of marriages. I'll save yours too. Well, it doesn't make any sense. Gee, just come to Jesus and you'll save my marriage. That's where it begins. Come to Jesus. I'll save your marriage. Trust me. I'll take care of your life. I'll give you fullness. I'll give you a spiritual life. Well, it's illogical. Come to me. I'll give you rivers of living water from within. Second, it's not a leap in the dark. But it's trust in a person. Some people say, we've got to believe something that's not true. That's what faith is. Boy, I'll tell you what. (laughs) Jesus nor Paul, nor any of the teachers in the Bible never said believe something that's not true. (laughs) Whoa. Someone said believe something that's not true, run. That is is a false religion. But we need to believe something that we might not fully understand. Something that's true, but we don't fully grasp. And so we take a, a step. It's not totally dark because there's lots of evidence. There's the resurrection. There's the ascension. There's answered prayer. There's 2,000 years of people's lives being changed. Then in verse 13, Jesus reminds them, I came from heaven and I became incarnate as a baby. And then he says in verses 14 and 15, Then I went to the cross and I was lifted up and I paid the penalty for people's sins. So trust him. When we receive from Jesus that, that gift, that Holy Spirit, we are born from above. That's called regeneration. That's called being born again. Once a person is born again, their life is transformed. They're a new person, but they're a, a new baby Christian. There's a lot of growing that needs to do. There's a lot of understanding that needs to happen. There's a lot of new ways of living life. The third step of repentance, after we turn from sin, after we present ourselves to God, then what do we need to do? Then we need to learn a life of humility. Then we need to learn a life of self-control. Then we need to learn a life of sacrifice and servant leadership. Then we need to learn how to desire God. Then we need to learn what it means to have discipline and self-control in our lives. But it doesn't start, it, it, it can't start unless we are alive. We've got to be born again. So to summarize, in order to experience this vibrant, satisfying, spiritual life, these rivers from living water. In order to be truly alive, that spiritual life is ours only when we are born from above. We are born from above by the Holy Spirit. And we receive the spiritual birth of the Holy Spirit by coming to Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you've never come to Jesus or maybe you're here today and you know someone who's never come to Jesus. Let's pray right now, realizing that we can't expect a person to act and believe and experience a Christian life if they're not a Christian. Father in heaven, now I pray that your spirit would would lead and direct us. And whether it's the cart before the horse or the horse before the cart, we come to Jesus. We know that. And then the Holy Spirit works in our heart and draws us to faith. And then Jesus gives us the new birth. Maybe there's someone here today who is saying it's time for me to say, Jesus, give me Give me the new birth by the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand or come forward or stand up. I'm going to ask you to to just think. Maybe it's like C.S. Lewis. I came to church today not believing, and I left believing. I don't know what happened other than I came to Jesus. Here's how you come to Jesus. You pray this prayer. Father in heaven, you've helped me to see today that I don't have spiritual life. And so I confess my sinfulness and I come to Jesus and I believe that his sacrifice on the cross paid the penalty for my sin. I receive his payment by faith. Lord Jesus, give me spiritual birth that I may experience rivers of living water flowing from within that I might be born again. Give me a fresh wind. Give me the fresh spirit and help me begin a new way of living for you and for your glory today. Thank you for giving me the gift Of your spirit. Thank you for giving me. Spiritual birth. In Jesus name. Amen.